Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One More Jump podcast by Rise Pole Vault. Before we get today's episode started, I wanted to mention that risepolevault.com has a newly stocked online store. Um, if you want to check that out, it's at risepolevault.com. We also have a couple new blog posts up and uh, just other things that um, might interest pole vaulters because that's what uh, Rise Pole Vault's job is, is to try to create a company that it's just for the pole vaulters, for the pole vault community. Um, and yeah, so if you're interested in that, go and check it out, risepolevault.com. Today's episode is with Hussein Al-Hazam. He is the national record holder for Saudi Arabia. He has a personal best of 5.7 meters, 570, which is 18.8 and a quarter, I believe. Really interesting story. Obviously, didn't grow up in the United States, grew up in Saudi Arabia and, you know, had a, definitely a different path through the pole vault. Uh, we got into a whole bunch of different cool topics. We got into, uh, he gets pretty deep uh, with the mental side of things. And I enjoy that. I enjoy figuring out, you know, tips and tricks and uh, things that other people use to you know, perform, help them perform at the the best of their ability. Um, and then we also got on the topic of uh, crypto, which is kind of interesting and how it possibly relates to the pole vault um, with some analogies there. Yeah. So it was a really good time. Uh, he's young. He's still got a bright future ahead of him and uh, wishing him all the best on the rest of his season this year. And yeah, hope you enjoy our podcast with Hussein Hal-Hazam. The first thing that I want to know is how does somebody in Saudi Arabia get started pole vaulting, you know? like Yeah. Different. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, um, I started pole vaulting. Um, Actually, similar to how Mondo started, my dad um, was a multi-athlete and he became a multi-coach when he was like 35 or something. So I started going to the track when I was probably like two. I can't even remember like, you know, the first time I held a pole, you know, like started going to the track and, you know, um, my dad was obsessed with pole vaulting to the way where, you know, he literally like made me grab a pole at like the age of three and, you know, I couldn't get in the pit at that time. So what he did was I started jumping in the sad pit and he would like, put like two javelins, like on each side of the sand pit. And like, he would put like a little bungee and like, you know, I would just go over and it was, you know, Dude, that's I, pretty I saw much how your, I started. I saw on your Instagram, I was creeping on your Instagram uh, just a little bit ago. No, you know, it is what it is. I got to do my research a little bit. Yeah, right? man. Get- um, so I actually saw it and it was like two years old. I think I was the last one I saw was uh, your dad was like pulling you over um, a bar or whatever into the pit. Uh, you were just like hanging on there, you know? No, that's actually <laughs> my little brother. That's oh, my, uh, that's your yeah. little brother. Oh, okay. Got uh-huh. you, got you, got you. So your so little brother's a pole vaulter too. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I think he's about six years old right now. Oh, and he is, he is into it, man. He, I remember, um, I talked to my mom last week, you know, um, trying to catch up and she was like, I'm like, oh, how's my little brother? 
Yeah. And um, she was like, man, this guy is literally like, I want to be my older brother and everything. He, <laughs> like, I remember he went to the, like he, she said that he went to the school and he came back really sad because he wasn't being mentioned. Like, like at, at the end of each class, they would get mentioned, um, you know, for like rewards and stuff. And he wasn't mentioned that day. So he came back like really pumped out. Like my mom was like, Oh, what's wrong? And he's like, I just want to be my brother. And like, I want to get as many medals as he got, but even more. That's what he said. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy. <laughs> Dude, I, I understand that. Are you the oldest? I'm the second oldest. So second I have oldest. a, yeah, I have. Okay, a, yeah. My, my two brothers, uh, I'm the oldest. My two brothers were pole vaulters as well. And and uh, it was like a similar thing. It was just like, uh, you know, coming up, it was just, you know, they were just always just nipping at my heels, just constantly, just always there, just getting, you know, trying to, trying to get after it. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, the youngest one, Luke, you know, he's, he's doing, you know, we, we kind of paved a nice little road for him. So I'm sure you're doing the same thing for your younger mm-hmm. brother, paving a nice road for him. So then he can yeah. just swoop in and take advantage of it, you know? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. So back to Saudi Arabia, you're like, you said you're like three years old or something. So your dad is really into it. And, uh, so he gets you going with it and yeah, sorry for interrupting. Continue that story. Yeah. So, I mean, I basically like, you know, I started pole vaulting when I was like three years old. I did do like, you know, pretty much like every sport like you could imagine. But my dad really like pushed track and field like into the family. Um, he tried to, you know, um, push my older brother to do it. He wasn't like really into it. But, you know, from a young age, like I was really good at it. Uh, I was good at other sports, but like in, um, like I was just thinking, you know, I would go to like these tracks and, you know, obviously pole vaulting is not uh, the most popular sport, but I would beat all these older people, uh, you know, like 15 years old or 16 years old. Like I would beat them like when I was like five or six. So, you know, like when, when, when you get to that, like, you know, like when you start winning at that young age, it just becomes like in your blood, like you just want to like continue, like, you know, improving and like, see where you, uh, get to. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so you, so what was it about the pole vault that your dad liked so much? So, so he liked track and field in general, or he specifically just like kind of had a thing for the pole vault. Yeah. I mean, as I said, he, like he did the decathlon, so he did, he did, you know, all the events pretty much, but he was just obsessed with pole vaulting. Uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, when he, when he pole vaulted, like he didn't pole vault really high. I think he only jumped like 15 feet or something. But, um, the problem that he had when he pole vaulted was he just didn't have enough poles back in Saudi. And, you know, it was just hard to transport them like, you know, from like the U S or something. So, you know, he, I think he like, like travel, like, you know, like to Germany and to these places, like, you know, in his like early thirties and stuff. And he just saw all these Germans, like in Liverpool and these countries, like just freaking popping these bars and like, you know, so I, th- I think that's how he got into it. He just, I mean, t- to this day, he's still, that's his f- favorite event. Like he, I mean, he's still coaching. So, you know, like he asked me like a lot for like advices and like, what, what are the stuff that we work on? And so, you know, 
Right, right. So, so I guess, you know, I have no idea of the track and field scene in Saudi Arabia. I have no idea about any of that. So like, how was it like with facilities and equipment and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was hard, but like my dad did a really good job of like providing as much of like the stuff that I needed. And, you know, like when I was like around like six to seven years old, like Saudi started like investing a lot of money, like into all kinds of sports. I mean, so like, let's go back a little bit. Saudi is like, you know, just focused mainly on soccer. Like that's like the number one sport. That's, you know, like when you say sport, that's what everybody thinks of back at home. But, you know, like about 15 years ago, like, you know, when, um, you know, Olympics got a little bit more popular, like sports just got a little bit more popular. Like it, it was like in the core of each country to have like, you know, like a country could be known of its sport. So, you know, they just started investing a lot of money. They started buying poles. My dad, like, you know, started like reaching out to all these coaches and to all these, you know, uh, places to get some, like, you know, to find some drills to, you know, get things set up. So, I mean, we, we, like he did his best and then the Saudis started like, you know, um, and recruiting all these coaches. So I started, I, I did actually train with, uh, with a coach, um, from North, North Carolina, I think, uh, his name is, uh, DJ John. I mean, um, David Johnson. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of him. I've heard the name, I think. Yeah. 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 He was like, he's really big into like, uh, approaches and like, you know, running dynamics and stuff like that. So what, uh, is he like with a university or something? I don't think so. I think he just like did a high school thing, okay. but yeah, he, they did bring him to Saudi when I was around like 10 years old, I think. Right. So, and, right. and he did like, he did influence a lot of my jump, like, er, like early. Oh, wow. So they like flew him over there. Obviously he's, he must, you know, I'm probably, I probably know who this is. Um, but I, he must be know what he's talking about if they flew him over there. To, to yeah. Work I mean, he, he, he probably time. just had a lot of connection. They brought him mainly for like the, the decathlon athletes, but okay. he like, you know, my dad, like, you know, kind of introduced him to me and he like, just, you know, hold on. Is uh, he Dave Johnson, the decathlete? I, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I, I know he's from North Carolina. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Well, I it, mean, so, so they brought somebody over and, mm -hmm. and so you had some sort of, some sort of guidance. So like, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like, was there an established like system or were you guys kind of like building the mm -hmm. system? Yeah. So the, the national record before me, like, the actual national record was, I think, like fifteen six or something. No, for real. So I did break it when I was around like nine or ten, <laughs> something like that. You know. So Hold on. you were the Saudi national record holder at like nine or ten years old. Yeah, something something ridiculous like that. But oh, that's crazy. But, I, but at the time, it was like a big deal because you know I like. David was there and he started like trying to find all these group age world records. And we found out later that, you know, I broke literally every single world record, like in that, like in the age groups that I 
went through like up until like 16 years old like all the world records were under my belt until like Mondo came and he like you know right and that was something that i saw on your instagram too while i was creeping around on there um is the amount of like so let's give some context to this like what are some heights like you started vaulting when you're really really young so like mm-hmm. let's say like seven years old do you remember like what the heights were that you were jumping at like seven? no idea no okay, idea but, but at like nine you said nine or ten you, that was whenever you had jumped like 15 yeah like, I, I well let's go back like i think in 2009 so i probably was uh 12 years old right yeah i was 12 years old when i was in 2009 and i remember i jumped um I jumped like about like four meters or something like that. Holy cow. And then after, and then after that, like we started like, you know, breaking all these records. Like I, I don't have like the records on, on hand. I probably should write no, them. Well, no, it but... sounds like there's a lot of them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was probably like every time you were going out, you were breaking a record. Yeah. It was um, crazy. And then Mondo came through and then, it's, so is he the one who kind of broke I do still have one record, I think. I think he didn't break one of them. Heck yeah. Yeah, I think there's one that he didn't break. Like, like, I talked to him uh, last time I saw him. I think it was like two years ago or something. He was like, yeah, Yeah. I didn't break that year. Like, that record. (laughs) You still still have it. Like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. That's crazy. Okay, so, like, you're going through and you're you're going to... So, like, explain, because is the sports system different over there? Is it more, like, similar to, like, a European model where you have, like high school that you like you go and your your academics are separate from your athletics like is it more like club sports over there mm-hmm. okay so like kind of explain that because like a lot of people in the united states don't understand that um they always link like school with athletics but like mm-hmm. basically in the rest of the world it's completely separated you know so yeah the way it works like we like each town or most towns, but like would have uh, a club that has like a lot of different sports. So my, my club's name is uh, Al Safa. And, um, you know, like you go there, like you sign up and you just started competing with that, uh, with that team. Like, I mean, I still, like when I go back home, like that's the, the team I compete with. Um, you know, we, we don't have a lot of divisions. I think Monda talk, like, I, I don't know if the U.S. has it, um, but, uh, we don't have, like, we have youth juniors and, uh, seniors, basically youth is from the age of like 15 until like 17. I think that's, uh, that, that sounds about right. And then juniors are from 18 until like 20 or 21. And then it goes, uh, higher up, but like the way I did it because my dad was like super close with like with the with the athletic Saudi Athletic Federation they gave me like a free pass they they normally wouldn't allow like an athlete to like a, a younger athlete to compete at these stages like the youth and the, the juniors right. just i i think they did that like for like mental health stuff so like they don't put a lot of pressure on like these younger guys but i was just better than all these guys so they just gave me you know no, yeah, I mean that you were you were their best hope for mm-hmm. competing against other other 
countries or whatever. So yeah, I'm sure. So, so you go through and, um, and then you end up breaking all these records and when you're getting ready to like transition into, I don't know what age you came over here to go to college, but like, how did all of that come about? Were you like actively recruited by people in the States or did you reach out to people in the States or what? I had it a little different. Like it was super weird how it happened. So I think when I was, when I was 15 years old, you know, I started traveling a lot to overseas to like to Europe mainly. I didn't come, like I didn't come to the U S at that time. So, um, you know, the Saudi track and field federation did a good job of like investing a lot on me. You know, I did, I did break a lot of records at that time. So they did invest a lot on me, like flying me overseas, competing with all these big dogs and all that. So I did like all the European circuit at an early age. So, in 2014, I believe, or 15, I had a, a back injury. I had an accident where in a meet, I just missed the pit. Like I missed the pit and uh, I fractured my back. Jeez. So, yeah. So, you know, I was in Germany trying to prepare for uh, the Youth Olympic Games. And there was this prince in, in the U.S., uh, in Orange County, who has a lot of connection in the U.S., so he gave my dad a call, who was with me in Europe at the time. And he was like, you know, you get, you need to bring Hussein to the U.S. I know these good doctors that could, you know, get him sorted out. So I was like, yeah, sure, I will come and see. It was actually that year. It was uh, I was supposed to come to the U.S. like at the World Junior Championship in Eugene. That was. Mm. That was when I have it, but I missed it because of my back injury. So anyway, I come to the U.S. It was literally the first country that I actually felt comfortable living in, you know, because I would go to Europe and it doesn't really feel like home. Like it just feels like it's a business trip. Asia feels the same way. I just don't really fit in as much. It just always feels like I'm going there for a competition or for like a training camp and then I would just go back home. But the U.S. was the first country where I could actually speak to people and like, you know, communicate in a way where I'm like, Oh yeah, I understand what you're saying. You know? So I come, I come to the U S you know, fell in love with it. Um, you know, got my back sorted out. And then we got in, t- in touch with, uh, with Anthony current current, the, the coach from UCLA right. to test my back at the time. Cause like, you know, we need to test it out before we go and fly to, to China for the youth, um, Olympic games. So, you know, we go, uh, to the track, we test the back out and like, you know, we, I jumped, like I jumped fine. Um, and then the Prince said, if, I mean, you're, you're going to go to this, uh, meet in China and then I want you to come back and train with this coach with Anthony. I was like, yeah, fine. So I went there, um, you know, competed, and then I came back uh, and I trained for, with him for about a month. After a month, like I went back home, you know, I sat, sat down with, you know, my parents and, you know, with the, with the prince. And he was trying to push the idea uh, for me to fly and train with, with Anthony to, to the U.S. So I could like, prepare, like I could, you know, improve my English, you know, get ready for the, like the college system and all that. 
So, you know, we agreed. I did a little bit of homeschool kind of, you know, between Saudi and the U.S. And, you know, I got to like the age of 17 and, you know, I started like reaching out to all these coaches. And yeah, that's how I, I ended up here. That's wild, man. So when yeah. you're, you're saying prince, like a mm-hmm. prince, like a crown, like it's, like it's not the crown. <laughs> no, not really. So in Saudi, like the, like it's, there are a lot of princes, like when you're in the Royal family, like you, uh, you're just a prince and this guy, I mean, the prince, um, is actually the, the president of the Saudi Athletic Federation at the time. Now he's the vice president of the IWAF. So he has a lot of connection in the track and field area with all these doctors, with all these coaches and all that. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. I just, I wasn't, I was confused. I was like, hold on, what is he saying? So you were saying (laughs) prince. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you said you were working with Anthony Curran, but he was at UCLA. So did you have a year with him or did you just go straight to KU? Yeah, I just trained there for high, like in my high school uh, senior year. I trained there. So UCLA? Yeah. Okay. But okay. I wasn't in college though. I, I tried to go there and then, you know, there were some, some things that didn't really work out. And then I tried to um, seek different colleges and, um, you know, K, uh, KU just, you know, were, were the place to go to. Like they just had like the best team at the time. And, um, you know, Coach A just sold me, like sold me, like, I mean, I like not sold, sold me, but like he, uh, he was just the most attractive coach at the time. Right. Yeah. It, no, it really worked out well. So. Yeah. You killed it. You won a national championship for mm-hmm. him. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, so was it it was it your plan to come to the states you know since you were like a kid and go to college in the states or were you planning on maybe staying in saudi or what what were you i mean the u.s was like the u.s was like in the back of my head because i knew they had this college system that i heard of Mm -hmm. you know like it was always like but like it just it just worked out that way though like it, it, like it wasn't that, that like I was like planning for it, but it just happened. Like, you know, the accident and like, you know, me like going there and, you know, the Prince had like a lot of influence in it. So it just, it just worked out. Right. Right. Okay. That, yeah, that's wild. So, um, you come over here and then you start going to, uh, Kansas university of Kansas with coach Hayes. And um, what was it about Coach Hayes that you really kind of clicked with? And I don't the know. School, There's a lot. The school, I guess, you know, the school's important too. There's a lot. I mean, I, I did contact like, you know, a lot of coaches and, you know, um, ask about like their training programs and, you know, like how the living is and all that stuff. But there was just something about Kansas. Like, it seems like everybody was, you know, like, like, I think that year is, uh, you know, I, Paulo Benavides was like the highest vaulter, like in the nation. Mm-hmm. And I know, I knew that he committed there and I knew that I wanted to be in a program where I could have good training partners and good, like a good team, a good pole team. Cause I, I never really had that. Like, you know, being in Saudi, I always train by myself or with these guys who like, you know, jump like, you know, 14 feet or 
like 13, seven. So like it, it just, it just felt like I needed somewhere that has, you know, good teammates to be around and KU just, you know, had, I think they had like about four or five people that jumped over like 17, eight. And at the time, 17, eight was like, you know, like really good. It's not as good anymore, but it's <laughs> no. at the time it was really, really good. <laughs> it's so crazy. It really is wild how we're like going in like it, I think that the pole vault does like go in waves though. Like whenever I was jumping, uh, after college, it was like, man, 550, like, that's like a good bar. That's a really good bar. Um, and then like all of a sudden, you know, high schoolers, like bunch of high schoolers were, you know, jumping 550 in high school. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, it, but it does go in waves. And I think, I think that, you know, I think it might, you know, trend back down and then pop back up. I think it just kind of does that. Um, but it is crazy. Cause I was talking to my brother, Luke, I was like, Hey, what's auto for outdoor USAs? And he was like five eighty. I was like, what? Yeah. It's crazy. I was like five eighty. Yeah. They're really getting down to business. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just wild. It's, it's really cool though. Um, so how, how did your training change from what you were doing in Saudi Arabia and like, and then, then you're over here in the United States at KU, uh, you know, training was, was there like big differences? I feel like there would be, it might have the potential to kind of like shock you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you weren't, if you weren't careful, you know? So I, so let's go back a little bit. I did train with a lot of coaches back at home. So as I said, the Saudis just brought a lot of coaches. Um, you know, I think from like, 10 years old to 17, I trained with like three or four different coaches. Um, I did have a Russian coach like early in my career, like when I was from like 11 or 12 to 15, I did have a Russian coach Mm -hmm. who did, you know, um, teach me a lot in technique. And, you know, he did, he started introducing weight training and that kind of stuff until it was time for him to go. I just didn't really enjoy training with him. You know, he just was just a hard ass, you know, nothing really sad, like, you know, nothing that I did was good enough. Even though I was breaking all these records, I just wasn't happy with the way, you know, our relationship was. So, you know, it was just a time to go. And then, um, you know, the Saudi started like um, recruiting other coaches. And then I trained with, uh, a guy named uh, Yuri Rovin. He did uh, compete like at the 2008 Olympic Games. Um, he's from Slovenia. He jumped, I think, about 570. And him and I actually like, you know, created like a really good relationship. Um, I did jump 532 with him when I was 16 years old, which is wow. like 17.5 and some change. That's wild. Yeah. That's a and really then, high bar for that age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the time it was at the time it was actually really high. Now a lot of people may I mean Mondo just freaking Yeah, but there's not that many high schoolers. Like for a while there, it was like Nilsson and KC mm-hmm. and Mondo were all jumping 18 plus in high school. But you know, it kind of trended. Well, actually, I think there might be a guy over 18 feet this year in high yeah. school. Yeah. But uh it I, for a while it was like, dude, is that just like the new standard now? But I mean, 
what you're talking about, like 17.4, 17.5 is still an insane bar in high school. Yeah, I think that I think that year it was probably like the best, like, you know, oh, uh, I would assume. jump under, yeah. under 17 years old, I think. I would assume I think so. that's what. Yeah. Yeah. So I trained with the with the Slovenian coach for about a year until I moved to until I moved to the U.S. And then I trained with Anthony. Um, Anthony was like a good transition for me to be in college. You know, he did really like, you know, I started like understanding the way the U.S. system works. You know, because that I, I felt like that was a big shock for me because moving to the U.S., like really, like I moved by myself, like in L.A., which oh, wow. was cr- yeah. which was a crazy move, actually. Like it was just insane. Like, you know, sending this guy who's 17 years old to L.A., like literally just got a driver license and, you know, just sending him. It was just it was just crazy. But like right. we made it work. Anthony didn't insane job like i just became one of the family like we just start surfing like like we would like surf like at 6 a.m like and then we would like go and train and it was it was a lot of fun but it was it was a really good introduction for me to get to that college level where i could actually like focus on my training my like you know like lifting my you know so what were the differences like maybe some specific differences between what you were doing in Saudi and what you were doing with Anthony stuff like, you know, like technical, technical wise. Um, when I was with the Russian coach, I didn't really understand what he was saying. It was a lot of, Oh, so there's like a language barrier. Yeah. There was a big language barrier. Like I couldn't really understand him. Like he would tell me like to do things in Russian. Then I would speak with him like in Arabic and then, you know, like I would throw a word in Russian or throw a word in like in English. And then he would like throw these words back at me. And it was, it was just a lot of, you know, like miscommunication. And I like, didn't really love it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think there like the lifting and like the training style was not that much different than, you know, when I went with Anthony, when I went to college though, that was the big shock for me. That was, you know, like you got in this lifting regimen, you got like in this training, like you, you have to be here on time. You have to be, you know, like you have to do all these things, you know, like pretty much as a like professional level, like, you know, like you, like you go there and like, you know, your teammates hold you like to these standards and all that. It was just, it was just a lot of different from like going actually from like Anthony to college. It was a lot of different. oh yeah yeah Yeah. for sure so so whenever you got to whenever you were going into kansas how high were you jumping i didn't pr when i went to ucla um when i trained there um i jumped 532 the year before that but when i when i uh went to to train in ucla i only jumped like 518 that year okay and then after that, we just, you know, I uh, decided to go to Kansas. Um, I did join Kansas a little bit late. You know, normally people go during the fall, but I did go in the spring just because my, you know, visa and all that didn't um, process in time. Okay. So, yeah. 
go ahead. Go ahead. So, so I did my freshman year and, you know, it was okay. But sophomore year, when I like got into that program, like, you know, at the right time, it just, it just took off something just clicked. And I I think that year I just PR by like a foot or something, you know, at, and at a college level at that, you know, like when you go over 17, six or that high, like, and you jump a foot PR that year, it's just, it's just, it doesn't happen that often, you know? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge PR. So this is your sophomore year is where you kind of broke out mm-hmm. uh, at Kansas. Yeah. And then when did you win your national championship at Kansas? It was junior year, junior, junior, year. junior year. Uh, so sophomore year, as I said, we started doing a lot better, you know, um, I think I jumped 546 at, at indoor uh, at Arkansas Invitational, I think. That was the week before conference. And then conference, uh, indoor conference that we had, I know hide it. And I was tied for like 15th or 16th at the at nationals. Okay. So so during conference. The last meet that happened on Saturday, I just got pumped to, to 17, right? So, and I didn't qualify. Oh, that just put a lot of fire in my belly. And it just, I remember going back from conference and then I got the call from Coach Hayes that, you know, I didn't make it. It just, thing just started, you know, going crazy. So you just got pretty super motivated after that. And, mm-hmm. then, and then after that, you just started going, going nuts. Yeah. And just, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to lose ever again. I was like, <laughs> I did, it, it was just done. I started, I remember that's when I started like actually taking things way too serious, like not too seriously in a way, but like it, it became a little bit too serious. So I started like going to workouts twice a day not including lifting. I started like, you know, I would go at 5 a.m. and started like doing a lot of like, you know, running, you know, all these drills and all these stuff. Like I would spend like an hour, an hour and a half, um, you know, in the morning. And then I would do like treatments and stuff. Then I would go to classes and then I would do what the guy, what my teammates are going to do like in the afternoon. So that's like in my, in my mind, it felt like I just needed to do more than what everybody else is doing, you know, but that's probably not, not the case, right? You could do it (laughs) for a little bit. I feel like you could do it for like a month or two just to get that, like your soul back, but you can't sustain that for a long period of time. Right. And so did you run into injuries or something? I don't know for sure, but did you, is that, I, that yeah. usually is how that story mm-hmm. ends. <laughs> yeah, I did a little bit. I did. I mean, I had a few hamstring issues, you know, shin splints issues, but, uh, that's like when, when, um, I started like figuring out what works for me and what doesn't work. You know, I feel like, I feel like at like 19, 20 years old, when, when you actually start like experimenting some things that you know like you see like this works this doesn't work like you know like even like with your diet like you know like your body is changing now like you're you're more mature like you try like these things and you see this works this doesn't work and you know it's just like a trial and error gotcha and is this the period of time where you got jacked 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was it, like, I, I mean, I've always been like, I've always been the big guy, you know, right. even like when I was like in first grade, I was always the biggest guy in the room and it, you know, like not like, no, yeah, yeah. I know. I was, saying. I was like muscular. Like I had like calf muscles. I remember when I was like five or six years old, I can see my little brother right now. Like we have like these genetics that, you know, we're just a little bit more muscular, a little bigger than, you know, an average, average person. person. Yeah. But yeah. I felt like that period is that like, I just got a little bit more shredded, a little bit bigger than, you know, you just did like uh, a few thousand curls every, every week or something. Yeah. At that period I did, I actually like stopped uh, doing most upper body days. Like, you know, fr- like from last year, I think I like, Cannot just I'm like, oh yeah, I just don't need to do these as much as I, you know, as much as I am doing them. So right. That's like my my middle brother, Josh. He uh he's always just been jacked. And we always have like these just like funny conversations because I feel like when like a normal person goes and like eats a mcdonald's double cheeseburger it's like they start to get soft but i swear like every time he would eat mcdonald's he would just get more and more jacked and like he just has these like crazy genetics that like he does like one bicep workout and then all of a sudden his biceps are huge it's like what the heck man yeah i mean i it's just so what what was it about um about that those couple years like did did so you ended up getting a little bit injured, correct? Mm-hmm. And then did you, and then how did you get from that point to the national championship? It was just, I mean, like I just, after like that meet happened, um, you know, when I got 17th and didn't qualify, I was just like, you know, I just need to, you know, get the, get my head straight and like, you know, focusing more like on, the pole vaulting like technique a little bit more and you know i just felt like we did like i did discipline myself a lot more um in my junior year like i, I started understanding um you know when to say no and when to say like you know we need to push it right now and um coach hayes did a really good job of um you know just like letting out like our personality come out but still like you know there's a little bit of control you can't just um you know just let go of your ego so we started like doing this thing called like the 70 percent rule so basically like when we like start vaulting like we would count every single jump and like we would like mark like we would like we only jump with bars that year that's all we did we never bit a bungee like we didn't even have a bungee yet like at the track so you know like i just got in a role where you know like the 70 percent wouldn't cut it and i remember indoor season i like if i like i I have in my book i think i like i jumped about like 90 percent or like 93 percent like like all makes at practice like i i just couldn't i just couldn't miss so, uh, yeah, like I, I would only miss when the bar goes like super high. So, I mean, you know, a lot of pole vultures, like, you know, like we, I know someone could like make 
550, you know, but how many times can you make 520 in a row? I mean, if, if you could jump 550, you should be able to make 520, you know, 10 times or something, you know, right. but a lot, I feel like a lot of people when they get on the runway and they start jumping, most people like lose it after like jump number five, you know? And I feel like coach Hayes did a really good job of just motivating us and like, you know, just keeping like all these emotions and all that adrenaline like within ourselves. Cause a lot of people like tend to lose it after a, like a certain number of jumps. And we just, we just started like, you know, drilling those jumps and, you know, making these bars. And I, I, I think I, my record, like I just, I just, I think I made like 15 jumps in a row. And I like, at oh, the time, wow. like, I think, I think we made like five thirty or like five forty, like 15 jumps in a row. And it was just, it was, I was just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to like beat anyone that comes in front of me, you know? That's awesome. So whenever yeah. you say the 70% rule, I, I am unfamiliar with that. So what do you, what do you mean by the 70% rule? So the 70% rule is like, I mean, coach Hayes called it the 70% rule. So when, like, when you go to the, tr- like when we start jumping, um, we would count each jump. Like let's say like most of the jumps, like we would do, like we would do uh 10 jumps. Mm-hmm. And if we make seven, that means like we had a good day or like, uh, th- I mean, you know, okay. And like, that's what we try to accomplish. And I feel like, you know, in order, like a lot of people need to understand that like, you don't become successful overnight. Uh, you have to have like these small wins, like every day. Right. You know, like, we we did it even like with our food with our um lifting with all that like we just recorded everything we just logged everything you know like we did this right we did this wrong we you know that's that's the 70 percent rule we just we just had to have wins every day in order for us to build that momentum and build you know that winning mentality so so let's say that you have those 10 jumps and you are making uh 60% of your jumps does mm-hmm. that does that mean that an adjustment needs to happen then like you need to lower the bar or you need to drop your pull or your grip or or whatever mm-hmm. that means like so giving that like if you made 60% that means you just started a, maybe like a pull hot like a a pull bigger or like the bar is just higher than what it should have been during that day and you know like that's why like we we always start a little bit lower than what we think we can make so let's say we all have like that bar that you know we think we can make any given day so let's say i mean my go-to bar is 530 okay i i could i think i could make that bar 10 times in a row no problem I, w- I wouldn't start with a 5.30. I would go to like, you know, 5.10 or 5.15 and just make it as much as I can and then make it three times and then I will raise the bar to like 5.20 and then I will raise the bar to 25 and to, to 30, 30. And then like we would go to like these higher bars after we get in that momentum and that like those small wins like do really matter. Like when you go to, you know, like the higher bars. I totally agree with that 
that is a really, that's something that I really love to do is to just, you can intentionally set yourself up for success, Mm -hmm. but, but the way that you don't set yourself up for success is by going into a workout and being like today, I'm putting the bar at 580 and I'm just going at it a million times until Mm -hmm. I make it. That is going to do nothing unless you're like Sam or Mondo or Chris, you know, or Casey, like those people can do those types of things. But like for somebody who's aspiring to, you know, get to that 580 bar, you're going to do nothing besides wreck your confidence. If you go in there and you just miss, 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 miss day in and day out, you know, you're just going to completely destroy yourself. But what you can do is exactly like what you're saying is you can intentionally set yourself up and play a mind game on yourself and just be like, you know what? I am going to bomb over 510. Like you were saying, I'm going to put it at 510 and I'm going to bomb over it. What does that do for your confidence? It goes up. You yeah, know what I'm absolutely. So then, and then it's like, well, let's go up to 520. And then you bomb over that, you know? And it's like you're continuously building on these little small successes like you were talking about. And then maybe on that day, you end up getting to jump a 50 or a 60 or something. Yeah. Um, but it would have never happened if you would have just been like, I'm putting it up at 80 and going at it until, you know, I can't go anymore. You know, that that's just, that's so smart. And any good coach that really understands what they're doing, I think is going to, you know, intentionally set their athletes up for success. And, and there might've been days that you probably went in there and you were probably like, Oh no, like I want to, I want to get it up at this. I want to get it up at that. And Hayes was probably like, no, uh, I, yeah. really, I don't really care what you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I, I'm not like, I'm not saying that I do these things like 100% of the time. Like there's always room for slack. Like we, we slack, you know, yeah. like we're, I'm not saying that I do it every single time. I, you know, I remember like, you know, just like a week ago, um, I like I I competed at Texas Relays and it was my first meet with Brad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember the bar went to 565 and I could I could feel the pole like being small in my hand. Uh, And I told Brad, like, I need to go a pole up a pole. He was like, well, you haven't proved it to me yet. Like, you know, you need to like, you know, on these smaller meets we need to make sure that we do the little things right. Like we get in a progression, like we, you know, we get as much reps as I, as we can, like, because like there are like misses, but there are also good misses. Like when you blow through, that's a good miss. Unless you're, unless you're at the, like at the, the Olympic games, like when, when you're at the final, that's different. But when you're like, when you're like in these friendly me's, like, you know, like you're hanging out with the buddies and you know, all that, you need to like, st- like get in a rhythm. Like you, like you need to make sure that you, like you don't go and like you uh, start like, you know, going up and like landing on these bars. That's, mm-hmm. that's just a bad miss. So, you know, like we, like, I feel like as pole vultures, like, you know, we always let our ego out and we just, you know, like up a pole is the, at the answer. Like we land in the box and like, you know, like, Oh yeah, I think I could go up a pole. No, it's, you know, you just need to follow that process, that progression, you know? 
Right. But it does help to, you know, you seeing that in yourself is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do it for a while, just train yourself and just, you know, try to coach yourself and stuff like that. But it really does help to have somebody like, like Tom or Brad that is there to hold the reins on you. Any good coach understands that with a guy like you, who's going to, he's aggressive, hard worker, all these things, never going to have a problem with you being lazy, always going to have a problem with you wanting to go up a pole always going to have a problem with you wanting to push too much weight with you trying to push too many sprints, things like that. So a good coach is going to be able to grab an athlete like you and just pull on those reins and be like, Whoa, 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 chill out, chill out, chill out. You know, it's like a pit bull, you know, like just like trying to, to, to jump off the leash. And, uh, and that is in a coach that's so incredibly valuable because it's going to save the athlete from injury. It's going to save the athlete from mental hardship and all of these things. Um, and, and that is, you can do it by yourself, but it's really hard. It helps to have somebody there to keep you honest, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, when you have like, you know, coaches like that and it's very important to build, that good relationship with a coach, like it's almost like a partnership, like where you go back and forth, like with ideas and with, you know, like, you know, like you tell, you tell your coach and, and like in a, in a nice way, not like, you know, you're attacking, like, you know, this doesn't work, you know, like you need to like, you know, tell them like, you know, I feel like this works, this doesn't work. And then I felt like, you know, in the past I did, a really bad job with some of my old coaches where I'm like, I just need to do more. I just, you know, like when I have like a bad workout, for example, the answer was always to do more, you know, which is not always right. Like you, like they're probably like you, it, maybe like you, you need to do less to, you know, have sure. a better jump session, you know? So absolutely. I mean, and the thing is too, is I was just talking with my brother about this the other day is, um, when you're young, I think there's a time and a place for a young person that's young in their career to like almost have a time where they're like proving themselves. Like I'm tough. I can do these three hundreds and I can puke and I can run these hill sprints and, and I can do this and I'm a tough guy, you know, and I, I can handle this. But after you've proven that to yourself, I don't, I don't see why you have to do that day in and day out. You know what I'm saying? Like if you proved yourself like, Hey, no, I'm tough. I can handle a lot of stuff. And, and you know, I'm a tough person, but if you just continually just beat yourself into the ground, you're just going to end up hurt and miserable. (laughs) I think, I mean, I think a lot of that comes from like ego wise. Like, you know, that's why, I mean, I think ego, like, you know, a lot of people like, the way I think about ego, ego is like is that like that dark side within you that drives you and like you know tells you like to like do more, which is very important like for a sports mentality, even like like in a business mentality, you know. But it's always important to like harness that and to know when to use it and to know when to like back off a little bit, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like a lot, like, you know, a good way to like that, that worked for me well is to, you know, like do a little bit of like meditation, a little bit of, you know, that stuff. And like, it's similar to like, you know, even like praying, you know, um, you know, I, I've been to a few churches. I mean, I'm like, and I, I could see that like, you know, when, when people go to church or like to a mosque or to, you know, these religious places, like, you know, it could almost harness that soul a little bit. And I feel like it's very important to, to find that peace within to, you know, just kind of gather that dark spot, like place within us, you know? Yeah. And just to be content with who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, especially when you dig yourself into a deep hole, you know, like I'm sure you've been there before where it's just like, I'm not getting better. I feel terrible. Yeah. You know, I'm hurt this, that all these other people are jumping high and I'm not jumping high. I was not supposed to be here. I was supposed to be there. All of these different things come into your head when you dig yourself deep into that hole the only way to get out of that hole is to accept fully where you are. Yeah. Like if, if you are cons- constantly telling yourself that, that you should be here or you should be there, or you used to be here or you used to be there. If you're constantly saying that you're living in the past or you're living in the future and you're not living for where you are right then. So it's like, in order for you to start digging your way out of that hole um, or climbing your way out of that hole, uh, you have to be able to accept like, this is where I'm at. And it might be like, I suck right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm not good. I can't pull vault high. You know, like I've been there where it's like, okay, I'm vaulting as high as I did whenever I was 15. mm -hmm. And it's like, that's a hard place to come to where it's like, okay, you know what? That's okay. I'm still me. You know, I've still got a lot of really positive things happening in my life. Um, but I have to accept that this is where I'm at. And then I just need to start taking slow, but deliberate steps out of that. And I need to wake up every single day being content with who I am today and not trying to be something that I was in the past and something that I want to be in the future. I need to be Mm. right here and right now. And that's hard to do. It takes a mature athlete to be able to. Absolutely. I feel like we all struggle with that in a way, you know, Um, when you go like, I mean, we're all like, when we think about the past, like it, like we think about a lot of, I mean, we think about the trauma and like what happened and like why that happened and all that. And then when we think about the future, we just think about time and like time creates pressure, you know, and that's why like, it's very, like, it's very important, like to, you know, like live the, like in the presence and like, see like what, like what you have right now, like at this moment, like what is going on? Like, why are you in this place? Like what, like, you know, like what causes this, but what can I do? Like, for it right now at this moment. And that's, that's like where you could like, where you could use like that 70% rule, like where you could just, you know, start building that momentum back. Like you just start like finding those small wins that would get, can like, you know, lift you up from that hole, you know? 
yeah, drop your grip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> drop your grip. Drop down pulls. Yeah. Drop to a shorter approach and and go into your next track meet not with the expectations of having new personal best you know go in with the expectations of just being like i am going to go into this track meet and i'm just going to execute and and i'm going to execute cues that me and my coach have been working on and wherever that puts me then that's great but the only metric that i'm going to measure my performance on at this meet is did i execute the cues that I'm working on in practice, you know, and if you go into track meets like that, before you know it, you're going to be out of that hole, you know, absolutely. Like, Holy cow. Look at where I'm at now. You know? And another thing too, that I was thinking about whenever you were talking about, like, I want, I just like sometimes find yourself like, I want to do more. I want to do more. Um, that is what we all think is the answer because we all want a quick fix. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We all we all want a quick fix. Well, I'm not in a spot where I, I need to be. Well, I could just work my way out of it. I could just work my way out of it and and lift harder and sprint harder and and move my grip up more and I can work my way out of it. But the hardest thing to do, I've found the hardest thing to do is when you're in that hole is sometimes you just need to be still and just be like, I, I need to not go to the track and I need to just sit here and be cool with resting and and things like that. Like the rest days, when you're in a bad spot mentally, the rest days are what kill you, you know, because you're not, you're, you have to sit there and you have to be with yourself and know that you're not where you want to be. It's crazy, man. I mean, the mental, you can, you can tell that I've, I've went through a lot of trauma, mental trauma in the pole vault. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like we all go through it. And as you said, like, we just, we, like, I feel like at the, like at the time when we're in that hole, we just, we just, I mean, I had an ankle surgery, uh, uh, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, I was like in a really bad spot you know, just watching all my peers, you know, just, um, you know, passing me and all these, like, I, I just couldn't do anything about it. But, uh, I remember I went to this meet, I probably shouldn't share this, but, uh, I went to this meet and, uh, I saw, Brad, uh, Zach Bradford breaking my school record. Right. And I just remember in that, in that moment, the answer like in my head was just to do more. And I was literally in a cast. So what I did was I literally just went to like the gym and started like, you know, doing cleans and stuff with a cast (laughs) on, which is the dumbest thing I I ever did. I like the next day I had to like go and like redo my cast, but like, like these things like would literally like, like break, like you like break your career. Like if, if that's how, you know, like you would go throughout like your career, like you're never going to have like any success because it's, it's just not how it works. You just need to, you know, take a deep breath, accept where you are, listen to your coaches, listen to your trainers and, you know, just relax. Like things will happen when they're supposed to happen. Just accept it and, you know, get in that momentum. Like, you know, just take those small wins instead of like, you know, like don't take that like don't look at that big app like big trophy like you know just 
take it like a you know like chip like a little chip chip by chip and then you're 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 right. up top again yeah yeah and don't go on social media <laughs> yeah don't go on social media like posting about all your uh negative thoughts and all that right. i don't think that's very healthy either <laughs> no and i mean that's the thing though is that uh the other really difficult thing to do when you're in a hard spot like that is to watch other people have success. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to be on the sidelines and to just sit there and be like, well, I know I could do that. Right. I know that I have the ability to do what that person's doing right now. Yep. Um, but I got to sit here and watch that happen. You know, and, and I'm, I mean, everybody, we love our competitors and we love, you know, Zach's your teammate and we, we love these people, uh, but it still is hard to watch yeah. them <laughs> do well. You know, like I remember being a post-collegiate pole vaulter, um, and going through a very difficult time and then watching both my brothers jump higher than me both my younger brothers jump higher than me. My youngest brother was in high school and I was like, well, this isn't going very well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm like two, two years out of college and trying to make it as a post-collegiate pole vaulter and my high school brothers jumping higher than me. This is not working out so well, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to learn how to be happy for somebody else. And, and another huge, huge thing is to stay in your freaking lane. Stay Absolutely. in your lane, man. Put your blinders on. Don't look this way. Don't look that way. Look right down the freaking road that you are on, you know, and, and you can't, you're never going to be able to control what these other people do. And yeah. You know, because I mean, as that. you said, like, like you have to like, at the end of the day, like, this is not like a basketball game or like a soccer game or like you're, you're competing with another team. Like you're literally just competing against that bar. Like you against you. It's not about, you know, um, the guy that, you know, jumped like 19 feet, like, you know, in that other competition. Because I feel like we get too sucked up in like that notion. Like we're, oh, like that guy jumped that height. Like we need to, like, I need to start like, you know, getting my shit together. Like, right. Excuse my language. But, yeah, uh, um, you know, I just feel like we just, we have to have that mentality where like, you know, it's just like, we're not here for money. We're here like, you know, because we love this sport. Mm -hmm. We're here to, you know, build that character. Like, and I, I feel like, you know, like pole vaulting is, I mean, like, you're not going to make it like, you know, a ton of money. Like you, you're probably just, I mean, if you, if you go to that next level, you probably would like, you know, have like a decent life, like, you know, just be able like, you know, to live off pole thing. Yeah. Yeah. For, like for, for rich, the, but... yeah, for the most part, that's why I feel like, you know, pole vaulting is like a way for us, like, you know, to build character, to build like friendship and, you know, to have fun at life. Cause this is, I mean, this is like the sport, like we love, like you, you don't get into pole vaulting if you don't like it. It's not like football where it's, you know, it's just this sport. Like we you know, like you're, you're trying to get, get to the NFL so you could like get away from like, you, you know, um, from like your past or like, you know, like, yeah, there's no like spot where it's just like, Hey, I'm trying to make it, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I, if I can just make it, I mean, I guess you could kind of make it in the pole vault, but I mean, you hear all the time about athletes like, uh, like, uh, this might not be true, 
uh, Toby Stevenson when the dude like won the silver medal and then like the next year Nike dropped him hmm. or some, something like that. And in Brad too, like Brad had this qu- uh, quarrel with Nike too, where it was just like, you know, he dropped him because, or something happened where he taped his, sh- the Nike sign over his shoe or something like that. And, uh, you know, so it's not like these people, and some people might think that that's the case, like, oh, like these these people who are jumping well, winning Olympic gold medals, they're rolling in the dough and they got, you know, they're driving around Maybachs. Like it's mm-hmm. not it's not yeah. really the case, you know, like we do it because we do love it and because we have slowly become addicted to addicted to it and yeah and, absolutely and it, it does teach us a lot it teaches us a lot and the cool thing is is that one day you'll be able to show some other kid how to do this too and you know if it's something that you want to do you'll be able to be like hey man i learned a lot of stuff from this you know maybe your son or your daughter down the road you'll be able to you know pass that on and and all of those things but hey let me use the restroom really quick and then i yeah. want to keep the convo going you good sounds good yeah all right sweet all right he's back all right i changed my spot my laptop was about to die oh gotcha yep all right um so in college what what poles and grips and flexes were you on uh so i think i i jumped with the five meters for the most part um my pr i jumped with uh, two poles actually. I jumped 570 twice, and uh, in Texas A&M, which was indoor, I jumped with uh, five meter 13.8, and then two or three three years later, um, in Texas relays, I jumped with um, 12.6 uh, five meters, which is which was the same. I mean, the same height, uh, 570. Right, right, right. Um... Yeah, those are those are some fat boys. Um, yeah, I, I did actually like jump with uh, within eleven point nine at some point. It just didn't give me any like anything more. You know, it just how, how much do you weigh? If you don't mind me asking, uh, I weigh like in college. I weighed uh, around uh, one eighty eight for the most part. Yeah, got you. Um, so after school, how did you end up? you know, down training with Brad. So after, I mean, I, like I, I was in Kansas from 2016 until, um, almost the end of 2021, which was, I mean, it was like a pretty like long time, like five and a half years. Right. Right. And, um, it just felt like it was time for me to like move to, you know, a new place. I was just, you know, like the old guy, like in the team, I was like, the grandpa like that's what they called me so it was it was time and i wanted to be around like uh pro uh athletes who have like similar minds and similar goals to what i have because i felt like during college one of the things that didn't go very well for me was um i've always peaked at the wrong time because i would do like all these college meets, I would do the college cycle, you know, like for the most part, it went well. And then I have the Saudi national team to compete with. Right. And those meets, those bigger meets don't have it until like 
you know, June, July, and even September for like some of them. And I've always struggled to main, like to maintain that shape at these months because I'm just exhausted. Like, I mean, if you've been around a college system, you know, like you can be from, you know, like the end of December until mid, mid May, like mid May, right? Like, is that yeah. when uh, NC is? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just exhausting. So it was just time. Like the, the Federation like wanted me to, you know, move with a different program. So you know, I talked to a few coaches. Um, actually, initially, I, I was thinking about going to to Europe to train with uh, Italy, like in Italy. Mm. But I like, as I said, like uh, before, like when I go to Europe, like I just don't feel like it's my home. You know, like I why, just why is that? I don't know. There's something about about it that I just don't really like i don't know if it's like i don't know like the, i don't know if it's like the, the towns that like how europe is built or something i don't know like there's something that like i just don't vibe with it as much it just it always feel like it's like i'm going there for like a job and job only like you know i just never have like when i go to europe i barely like leave the hotels I just well, why stay do you there think, why do you think that you were like so comfortable in the states I, I think it's the people, the people that I'm around, you know, I could talk to people. It's easy. Like it's easy going, you know, I just, you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, like sometimes you go to places, you know, some people like feel comfortable at, and then like, you just don't vibe with it as much. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the state was one of these places that I just enjoyed being in and gotcha. Europe was not the place for me. So, yeah, I mean, I was in, so the way I did it after I competed at uh, the NCAA last year, um, my federation sent me back, sent me to, to Spain to have like a mini training camp. Uh, and I was like, yeah, this might be a good opportunity for me to like, you know, sense the vibes again, because I haven't been to Europe for quite some times now. I mean, because I, I've, I just stayed in, in the US for quite a while now. And I'm like, I felt like, you know, like I'm more mature now, like I'm 24. Maybe I'll have different vibes. Mm -hmm. I went there and it was just the same thing. So really? I started like, you know, looking back into the state and, um, you know, had a really good um, talk with Brad. You know, uh, we talked a lot about training, we talked a lot about technique and like things that I could fix. and. You know the way he like he programs his uh program um and you know like he, we do a lot of lifting which i really enjoy so right right yeah it was just so, a good fit so yeah so i just was curious like uh is there anything you, you mentioned the training anything like in particular about brad as a coach that you really vibed with or was it just that he was getting this training group together and it seemed like a good group or actually like when i talked to him like I, I i mean i talked to him on the phone for the first time ever that was back in um back in july i believe um and he asked me like to send him a few videos of mine and he just like picked like what i'm working on and you know what i need to fix like immediately i'm like mm. oh gosh like you, you know like 
this is cool. And then I'm like, what, like, how do you think we should fix that? And I, I like the way he, he approached these problems and approached like, you know, his ideas. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just give it, give it a shot. And, you know, like we talked a few times that like in the phone after work and we just, we just clicked and I just moved here. That's awesome. And that's a, in Atlanta. Um, that's it, in Atlanta area, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, and are there any other guys training with you or is it all, all ladies down there? Yeah, it's, it's all ladies. Ladies, ladies is and, insane. Yeah. And Brad. <laughs> and Brad yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Brad's he's got it going on, man. Yeah. He's, uh, he's you know, one of my heroes growing up and, and, uh, he's got, he's got the mentality, just kind of just the full package on, yeah. on all of that stuff. So what do you think, um, what are some of those areas that he was like, yeah, I think you could improve here. I think you could improve there. Yeah. I mean, like I've struggled a lot in my run, like in the past few years, like I tend, I was doing a lot of reaching in a way. And, you know, I just tried all these different things. You know, I tried like doing mini hurdles. I tried doing, you know, all these different exercises to kind of correct that. But nothing really worked. Like when I grabbed that pole, it's just seemed like I was doing the same thing. Right. So when I first came to Atlanta, like we started like doing, you know, these experiments and, you know, figuring out why I'm reaching and, you know, we just did a few drills. We squared up the body a little bit more, like right before the takeoff. And it seems like it just clicked. So Right. So, so you mean, so struggling with your run, do you have, like, have you had issues with like running through or just like consistency of where you're taking off or not run throughs, but, uh, I, I've never had like run through issues, but I've had issues like kind of like slowing down, like, sh- like reaching to the box in a way where, you know, I wasn't getting the full speed, you know, going in the takeoff. I was just losing a lot of speed. And like, when you lose speed, you just, you know, don't get to like those, uh, bigger poles and, you know, longer poles. So, right. I just felt like when we started like doing these things, you know, in the past I would, uh, like there was always like hardship when I, when I would go full run and then, uh, grab these five meter poles and jump. Like it, it was always like, there was like a mental block and I had like overpass that. But now, like, since I came to Atlanta, I would literally grab the, these five meters from like six steps and I could, or six laps and I could just jump with them. So right. like when, when we started like doing that, I mean, now that I know I could jump with these poles from like six laps, like when we go from longer run, they just become like, you know, like easy peasy, like, you know, like this is just like a joke now. So yeah, that's something that I always try to do uh, with my brother, Luke is, um, I always like our goal is can you vault from full the way that you can vault from five or mm-hmm. six? You know what I'm saying? Cause his yeah. vault, his vault from like four or five or six lefts is just so beautiful and so nice, but it is hard to put that same vault 
on your big poles from your long approach. It always has just been something that's that's hard, for, you know, to acquire is to get those yeah. two to look exactly the same. But I think that that is something that is very beneficial is being able to use that same length pole from your shorter approach. And then you go back to your longer approach and it's like, Psh, this is no problem. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, have, it, I, it's always a lot easier to go from like shorter run, like with shorter poles and like, you know, just everything just clicks and then like the heart, I feel like that's what Mondo is like, you know, just better than everyone else. He could do what he does from like a, a like a longer approach. He could do it just as much as, I mean, from like four, like three lefts, you know, he's just, just connecting these dots and just dialed in all the time. And that goes back to like these, like, you know, small, like, I feel like Mondo is like Mondo, like part of it is because like, he's, he always had like these wins every day, you know, like even when he was like, you know, this like three years old kid that's jumping, like each day was a win for him. He just like, I'm sure he did have like some setbacks and stuff, but like if you count the wins and if you count the losses, like the wins are just so much more, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think that like going back to what we were talking about earlier is I think one of the things that is important in order for you to be able to have those wins consistently every single day is to go into your workout and to accept if you're not having the day of your life, you know, like mm -hmm. just be like, Hey, you know, I'm okay with today being, you know, not this crazy, incredible day. Like some days you're going to go in there, but if you, some days you'll go in there and it won't feel as good, but if you go in there with the right attitude, then you'll come out of it and you won't have your confidence wrecked and everything like that. You know, you just have to accept that, you know, some days might not be perfect. I'm sure that there's days that Mondo is not jumping 20 feet in practice. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a lot of the days, but, um, you know, he, he just doesn't let that affect his confidence. I'm sure yeah. that's, that's the hardest thing, man. So whenever you're running down the runway, what are you thinking? Like, are you cueing certain things? Like how many cues do you use? Like what, what are you thinking when you take that step back on your, on your run and you start to go down the runway, what are you thinking in your head? I mean, it depends about day and, you know, normally I would have a conversation with my coach, like, you know, the day before and like, you know, visualizing what I'm going to be working on. Um, I mean, lately I just been really trying to hit that, like those cues, like where I square my body at, like, you know, at the take, like before the takeoff, you know how, like, I feel like I was always like opening up before the takeoff, if that makes sense. And then like that just slows the momentum a little bit. Right. Okay. I kind of, I kind of understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, opening opening your body what do you what do you mean by opening your body so you know when you drop your pole especially when you have like a heavy pole like when you start dropping it like you almost like go to like to the side a little bit like because like you're like let me see oh uh, because because it's easier to hold and maybe it's, yeah like it's you're a little, you, you're yeah. yeah you carry the pole like you just you just open that and like i just been trying to kind of have like that line where like, I just don't lean as much to the side when I'm right. uh, attacking that box, if that makes sense. 
Hey, do you want to try something? I've never done this on here before. I yeah, was sure. Thinking, let's let's pull up let's pull up one of your videos. Yeah, I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna pull up one of your videos and share my screen here with you really quick, and then we can kind of uh, see what you're talking about. Um, all right, let me see if we can. Oh no! It's, do you have any good videos on YouTube or no? Uh, I don't think I do. On Instagram, you could you could probably find a yeah, few. Let me see. We're just testing this out. One more. Oh, there's your boy, Andrew Saloga, right there. Huh. Um, I'm going to share my screen here real quick. All right, cool. Can you see that? Yeah. All right, so... Oops, there he is right there. Oh, so this is a new one right here. Is yeah. it real or something? Uh, I think so, yeah. So you see at like at that um uh, like right before the takeoff. I don't think I did it as much that in that jump. Like yeah, right that one be- pretty square. Right, right before the takeoff. That's where I'm like trying to fix you can see that i'm like opening a lot with my uh right shoulder like i'm just leaning to this like area and like that one like was a lot better there's still a lot of room for improvement but right I feel but like your when, shoulders are pretty square at that one yeah that this one is pretty good yeah this one is a lot better okay all right let's go back to the other one and see if uh that one's better Yeah, like you that? see it. Yeah, oh, you see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's where like I lose like you lose a lot of speed and a lot of momentum when you open that. And that's what we've been trying to work on. That's like what what one of my cues that I'm like I have in my mind right now. Like I have two things that I like I like I try to hit in every single jump, and that's that. What we just yeah, talked about. I, and I, just I, keeping my eyes up, like right at the takeoff. Right, I think I did a really good job. Yeah. So on this one right here, you can there's not like a hitch step, like where you're kind of Mm -hmm. slowing down a little bit. But then in this one right here, it's just like you kind of have that little open and kind of hitch right there. Yeah. Maybe like one or like maybe two strides out. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Brad has a theory, and I I actually starting to agree with him that uh, when I open like that, like it just creates. Um, a little bit more tension, like in your legs, because like you, like you just pull and pull look with your legs, and then that creates a lot of stress in your hamstring. And I feel like that's why I had a lot of hamstring issues in the past. But when I start like squaring up and like just you know like letting my feet just you know roll, like it just puts a lot of like it just has like less stress in your body. And I feel like the recovery time, like you know between jump sessions, just way less because it's just freer jump yeah and your body's not torqued so i'm sure Mm -hmm. that i'm sure that if you're if you're torquing your upper body a little bit obviously your hips are going to be maybe a little bit torqued and it's going to put like a maybe an odd stress on your hamstrings but if you're squared up then your hamstrings are going to probably be you know a more of a natural motion yeah 
So you're thinking of right now, like at the end of the runway, you're, you're trying not to, you're trying to square, stay square to the box. And then after you leave the ground, what was that second cue? I just like try to leave my uh, eyes up. I mean, a lot of us like look at the box and that's, I feel like that's a, you're trying to like make sure that, you know, you're hitting it. It's like, you know, a safe um, way to do it. Right. But I just try to leave my eyes up a little bit so I could like open up with my chest a little bit more because I feel like when you like when you look at the box at the like when you when you're taking off it like it you tend to block a little bit more if that makes yeah sense. and you almost like dive into it mm-hmm. you know what yeah. I'm saying yeah you want that you know kind of like jumping up and in at that 45 degree angle and I I have kids that do that too that I work with where it's just like they just drive just straight down into that mm-hmm. box and it's like how do you expect yourself to swing you know yeah you just <laughs> okay. straight up block afterward what do you what do you think is the strongest part of your vault I don't know. I mean, I have a lot, I feel like I have a lot of, um, good things about my jump. I feel like power is probably my main source. Like I'm, I'm very powerful, like, you know, in my run and like, I mean, I could, I could lift a lot of weight and I feel like that just transition a lot, you know, um, you mind sharing any numbers with us, like weightlifting numbers? Yeah, sure. Um, so I do lift now. I lift about three times a week. We do um, two Olympic liftings a week. I my favorite is hand clean. I could probably clean one forty five k, which is yeah. Let's me. do some math on that. Yeah, one forty five. About like three twenty. Hold on, from a. From a hang, a hang clean, uh-huh. you can hang clean 320 pounds. About that, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, not like that's just like no. one rep, like, no, in, like in a really, that. really good day. That's that is nuts. Yeah. Okay. Well, that explains a lot because that's what I was going to say too is I like from an outsider's perspective, the amount of energy that you put into the vault is just like, it's really, really wild. Cause you really, you really store up a lot of energy in that pole and then just go bam, just pop mm-hmm. way off the top of that thing. So if you can hang clean 320, can you clean more from the floor? No, I'm, I'm not very good at full clean. I, I just, I, yeah, huh. I, I could probably do like one, 125 kilos or 130 from, um, from the ground i just i don't know i just never really learned how to do it our strength coach back at, at ku like you know like didn't really care about um full cleans from the ground. From yeah the ground, yeah yeah i could see that i mean i i my, i think my favorite lift of all time is is cleaning from the floor but i mean hand cleans you know it's got it, there's a lot of application to what we you know specifically do but if you were to pick uh, like a favorite lift what do you think your favorite that's it hand clean is my favorite one i I, heard i actually like a lot of people think that i love um bench press just because i mean i just have like a big upper body what's the Uh, bench at what's the bench at i could probably bench about 140k one i think i did like 142 or something like that What's the, uh, it's cl- close to three twenty, 
it's like around 310. Gosh, dang, man. Yeah, but I do not like it. it. Just it just makes me like way too big, and it just make like it just when I start like doing it a lot, it just it's just hard to move around, you know. Well, I feel like there's like a point of diminishing return too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Can, like, yeah, if you can bench 320 pounds, it's like okay, well, you can carry and hammer any pole that anybody could make. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, so you I know, just. Yeah. I could do these things. I've done these numbers and I know that they're crazy, but I like, that's not what I do. Like in a regular basis. Like, I mean, no, when, no. like when, when we have like, you know, lifting uh workouts, we just, I just like, I just go to like 120, like in hand clean and shut it down afterward. It's just, like you it's just not don't really wanna... worse. It's not really yeah. worth the risk. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you, I mean, like building those mass and like, it just like, and building that horsepower, like horsepower, like, like when you have a lot, it just takes so much longer for your body to recover and like get ready for like, you know, the next big day. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like if, if you're, if you're lifting and let's say that you're, you know, you're lifting and you have a single at the end. So you just got to do one rep at the end, um, on, on cleans. And it's like, you have the choice to like set a new personal best in the hand clean or to just do like 20 pounds less. It's like, what do you think that extra 20 pounds is really going to give you? Yeah, It's not really going to give you that much. And, but you're going to risk getting hurt and risk missing the lift and things yeah. like that. So it's just like, man, the, the risk yeah. versus reward on that is just not very good. Yeah. I just like lifting. That's why I do it. Like right. I, I, like I, like that's, that's how I let my stress out. That's how I like, you know, um, let some steam out. Absolutely. I just like when I have a bad day at like, you know, at work or at the track, I just go to the gym and I just load the body. That's how I, let some steam off, you know. I heard a rumor that Brad was kind of restricting your lifting a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I mean, he like we we got um a little bit too shredded and a little bit bigger, so we just modified the lifting a little bit. Like instead of going three or four times a week, we just cut it in half and like we just got rid of all the like bodybuilding stuff, including, you know bench press or you know curls or stuff like we just did um squats deadlifts and uh not as much deadlifts actually we just did squats and uh ankling for the most part gotcha so yeah. do you how how are you how do you think you're going to be able to keep your hamstrings healthy because that is that what uh took you out at at the indoor season at reno mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's probably like i mean probably less weight room and that's we we've I feel like we've done a really good job of um staying away. I kinda let you know that ego to settle down a little bit. Um and uh, that run, like I feel like it's just like we we really had like a really good day at practice today and I felt like, you know, it just it was very less stressful in my hamstring just because the run was a lot better and was a lot um freer in a way. Right. How do you um, mentally deal with things like this? Because you probably, you know, that thing is probably going to just linger around 
for a while you know mm-hmm. like it's probably just gonna be there for for a, a little bit and it probably has been there for a while so how do you mentally like get to the point to where it's like okay like i'm going to get back into this and i'm going to even though it still might bother me every once in a while i'm still going to continue to work through this and uh I'm, you know stuff like that i mean just be like i i'm like starting to like be more honest with myself in a way where like before in the past like even like last um hamstring injury that i had uh, i could feel that it was was there but i just ignored it i was like yeah, i'm just tougher than this you know like it, it's not gonna have like it's not gonna pop or anything and it just it popped but now I, like i'm like like trying to like listen to my body a little bit more trying to you know be on top of it a little bit more you know not, like not skipping um treatments you know doing treatments before things happen is way better than doing treatments after things happen if that oh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so does Brad help you guys out with that? Cause he's, he's, uh, in the physio type. Yeah. He, I mean, he's starting to, you know, like get his hand, like, you know, dirty, like, you know, he's like starting to like release some of like, he, he does some dry needling, but now he's like doing actual hamstring releases and, you know, cat, like if your calf is like tied and stuff, like he could like go dig in there and, that's he does awesome. a really good job. Yeah, he. I mean, he like he's in in uh, chiropractic school. I think he's gonna like start at just, as adjusting us. You know, like pretty short, like pretty shortly. So that will be exciting. We don't have that'll to go be, to. That'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. The, the other big thing too is just uh, reestablishing trust in your hamstring. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and just re like understanding that it's like, all right, it still is, it still is there, but I need to reestablish my trust in that injured body part. And, yeah. and just, you know, cause it's hard to not continuously just baby it and baby it and baby it, you know, eventually one of these days you're going to have to just be like, all right, I'm reestablishing my trust with my hamstring and, and we're going to go after this thing again. And, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. Man. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've, I've had like this issue happening in the past and I, I kind of feel like I know the process now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's, it's very important to have a good trainer, a good, a good team, a good coach, so like, you know, they give you like feedbacks and like you do all these tests before, you know, like you go and start jumping. So it's, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. Like you just need to, you know, build that trust, build that, you know, relationship with your hamstring that, yeah, like you're feeling better. Like let's, let's get, let's get you moving. I, 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 like, I mean, I do these weird things like back at home. I do have a lot of time in my hands since I moved to Atlanta. So I, I would literally talk to my body. I'm like, you know, like I'm trying to take care of you. So you got to take care of me. Like, you know, like we just failed that. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's yeah. a relationship though, that you, yeah. have to, you learn about the different parts. And then, and then it's the unfortunate part of, of athletics is that you just start to accumulate these different injuries <laughs> throughout the years, you know, and it's just like, Oh, you know, this, this ankle thing. Oh, I've dealt with this before. Yeah. And, then you, and then you're able to assess it and, and take care of it or, you know, earlier. And the, the crazy thing is, is once you start to get older, like I'm 34 and I stopped vaulting maybe like uh, six, seven years ago. 
And it's just so crazy because now like stuff is starting to pop back up and I'm like, Oh, I remember whenever I did that, you know, <laughs> like it was like mm-hmm. when I was a sophomore in college and it, they, they all just kind of stick around, which is really, really crazy. All these little yeah. injuries. Um, so what are you doing in Atlanta? So like, as far as being a post-collegiate pole vaulter, it's never the easiest thing to make money into and to find support and, and things like that. So how are you managing all of that after college? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit easier for me since, um, I, I'm working with the Saudi athletic Federation. Um, oh, they're, 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 fu- they're funding most of, uh, most of my, um, that's you know, awesome. living expenses and, you know, training, and traveling and all that. And so, you know, it's just a lot easier for like an international athlete to keep on going, you know? That's so, awesome. So yeah. do you just like, uh, just chill or, I mean, you yeah, don't work for, out all day. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, obviously I, um, I do have a lot of free time, but I do, um, I got in this like, uh, day trading, which, oh boy. you know, yeah. I mean, I did lose a lot of money like when I first started, but now I'm like starting to understand, um, you know, how the market works. I like started like, you know, developing some relationship like in that area. Like I started like, you know, uh, learning more about like real estate. Like you just have a lot of, like when you have a lot of time, like, it's just, you can't just be at home, like playing video games all the time. Like you have to, you know, like learn, find, find some ways to learn. And yeah you just keep up. So like, you had any big wins? I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, you know, I'm just started. I mean, I'm like, I'm not a shark yet, but right. Right. I what's feel like, best, yeah. What's your best stock right now? You don't have to, I, if you don't want, well, <laughs> My, I, I don't, though. I don't do uh, like the stock. Like I do uh, a Forex market for the most part. So I do, uh, you know, like, Pips and stuff. If you know uh, what that is, I have no um, idea what that is. I would like to. I would like to. What, what is it? Because I am it, interested in this stuff. Too. It's like it's like a and like exchange rates where you um you know like buy and like sell at like you know at a different time during the day. Right. Yeah. So you know, like you you have to like like talk to these people and like, see like, you know, where the market is and stuff. And like at a certain time, like you buy and certain time you sell, like literally during through, like throughout the day, like within an hour, two hours, like you could lose 2000 bucks in that an, an hour. Like you could win like 2000 right. bucks, like within, like within minutes, like you, that could happen. So, okay. So you're doing like true day trading. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's what okay. I'm doing. Yeah. Dang, dude. Yeah, that that is very time consuming. So, I yeah. just don't I just I just don't do it when before practice or like I just do it when I'm when I know I'm going to be at home from this time to this time, you know? And that's what I was going to say is because like if you're, you know, doing this and then all of a sudden it's like I got to go to practice in 15 minutes. I, it's like dude, I, you can't you can't do Yeah, that. I, I don't do that. Like <laughs> I I have to I have to be at home from like this time to like, I know I'm going to be at home before I close the trade. That's, that's how I do it. I just, because I feel like I did it one time and I did, I went to practice 
And I just started looking after each rep. I was looking at like how I'm doing at the market and like it just started going red. I'm like, I just started like flipping out, you know, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So are you a uh, crypto bro or or no? Yeah. Crypto okay. is, is, I mean, I'm starting to trust it a lot more than like even the USD. Crypto really? is, yeah. I mean, you, you, like you saw, you saw what happened like when, uh, when Russia like started like attacked uh, Ukraine, yeah. when like if you if you followed the market, the USD actually kind of like dropped mm-hmm. a little bit more that ha- than uh, than uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin did drop a little bit, but it did bounce back like the next day. I think right. it dropped to like thirty five, and then it, it like it went back. But if if you follow the USD compared to like you know different things like uh gold and stuff like that like you could you could see that the usd actually did go down more than these things that's why i started like i didn't trust bitcoin as much until until uh the russian and ukraine thing happened that's when isn't that where isn't that how a lot of russians are storing money right now like just just didn't they didn't they dump a bunch of money into like the russian citizens aren't they dumping a bunch of money into bitcoin because they did going down they did they did but i feel like that's like they they, they're like people are trusting this thing now like everyone is trusting bitcoin though that's the thing. Like, well, yeah. And like in New York and stuff, they're like actually having it where you can like, I think that it was in New York where they're having it, where you can like go into stores and start using Bitcoin and stuff like that, which is yeah, you, wild. You can, you can buy Bitcoin at Walmart now. Like yeah. I, I, well, but they can, can use it like literally mm-hmm. like go into a restaurant and be like, yeah, I'm going to pay with Bitcoin. Oh yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? That, that'll mm-hmm. be pretty wild. So do you, do you only invest in Bitcoin or do you do I, Ethereum I, or? I, uh, yeah. For crypto, I just, I just do Bitcoin, but I do invest a lot. Like in this, like in the actual stock market, you know, I do have Tesla. I have like all these things right. like when I, whenever I, I mean, I don't throw all my money at once. I just, you know, I feel like, each month, I just whatever I have left, I just inject yeah. it in the stock market. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you, you don't have any Ethereum or like NFTs no. or anything. No NFTs. I think NFTs is a joke. I don't. I don't. What? I don't trust NFTs. <laughs> I, For real? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I like. I. I was trying to be open minded about it. I don't just know. Don't I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not completely I, convinced either. It's, but the hard thing is, is it's like, well, this is, you know, everyone thought the internet was going to go away too. You know, like it's like, oh, this is stupid, and then it's like, yeah, but know? what, like in NFT, like I feel like only like two to three NFTs are going to live, like in the long run. I don't yeah. think they're all like I don't like. I mean, everyone's like making NFTs right now. So I'm like, like, which one to buy? Which one? Them, yeah, 99% yeah. of them are going to fail, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which is a really, it's hard to find that 1% that are going to yeah. succeed. But I think that the ones that do succeed are going to just go nuts. I think that probably. NFTs will probably be a big part of our society in the future. And I think obviously crypto will be a big part of our society in the future. It's just right now, like we're my, you know, I, I own a business and, and I, uh, 
you know, any investments that I'm making right now, I'm like, I don't need to be putting money into Bitcoin. I need to right. put money into polls and and things that are actually that I understand. I really, really understand pole vaulting. So I just invest all my money into pole vaulting. <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, I mean, that's what's, what's worked for you. Like, right. like why change what worked, you know? Exactly. And, I, unless, I, unless like you, you, like you're going, like you're plateauing and like, you're not making enough living. That's when you need to change it. Right. You know, and it is hard though, because I did get into Bitcoin last year. I think when it was like around 50, so I'm not doing so hot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it's just so hard because you just, if you listen to certain news and you like subscribe to certain newsletters and stuff like that, it's like, dude, Bitcoin's going to a hundred before the end of the year. And I'm like, oh man, it's at 50 right now. Like, let's go. And and then it's like, it's so hard not to get sucked into that. I know. Yeah. yeah that's, I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, pole vaulting does help you with these like sports in general. Like, you know, like when you do sport for a long period of time, it helps you become more disciplined. And I feel like when you go to these stock markets, cryptocurrency, all these things, you have to be disciplined in order to make money in the long run. Discipline in a way where like you like you invest like every month. You uh you don't just do irrational stuff just based on what this guy said or what what she said or you know just right just you have to have a make, plan. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of you know like I feel like we just like if I tell you oh crypto is going to like a hundred or 150 tomorrow. Like, and you're just like, oh shit, I need to freaking, you know, I don't want to mess out. And then you just go and like, put like 10 grand in there or like 20 grand. And then he just, it just goes back to like 25. That's like what my dad did. He like, he, oh, no. it, yeah, he, like he, everybody was just like, oh yeah, it's good. It's like, it was, I think when it, when it was like 65, uh, that's what, yeah. When, when Bitcoin was at 65,000, I think he like put like, a quarter of his saving or something like that. And that's when I thought for sure it was going to a hundred. I thought for sure when it got up to 65, I was like, dude, before the end of the year, it's going to 100. And, and I was like, and then there's some people that are saying it's going to go to 500. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But, but I think that what you're saying is absolutely correct. So we're going to make an analogy right now. So the analogy is this. I thought that it was going to go to a hundred or, or whatever. So then I put my money in having no plan. Mm. That's the equivalent of me just grabbing like a five twenty and gripping five ten on it. And, and then, just yeah. hoping, hoping that I make the new world record. You know, like it's like, that's, you don't have a plan. You have to have a plan to get to that spot. And, yeah. uh, Basically, I just missed the pit. Is the analogy? That's uh, what's gonna happen. Yeah, he just he just crashed, and you'll get probably injured, and then you're gonna have a heartbreak. Yep, and that's yeah. exactly what it is uh, with with that stuff too. It's really cool that you're into that. I mean, you can yeah. you can spend an enormous amount of time on that stuff too. Like, mm-hmm. so if you really get into it and you really like start to understand what you're doing, my my coworker that I work with. Uh, he does similar to what you're doing. Maybe not as like mini trades as you're doing every single day, but um, 
you know, he's, he's got his eye on it at all times. So I could see how that could definitely fill your time a lot. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good way to do it, especially if you, um, if you just don't lose your, your emotions when it, Right. And at the end of the day, you know, you come out, you're going to come out with a, a whole brand new education, yeah. in a whole different space that, you know, you can apply to later on in life. But all right. So um, we've been going for a while here. Uh, let's get down to a couple like just rapid fire questions. So yeah. if you were to put one song in the headphones before you're going and you're going to make that personal best, what song are you throwing in or what artist? Probably Lil Wayne or uh, Drake. Lil Wayne or Drake? Any yeah. particular song? Uh, or no, I would probably put Eminem actually. Eminem. Eminem and okay. I, I would, I would uh, choose Business, uh, the song Business. That's Eminem that's what I, 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 I'll probably go with. Heck yeah, man! Yeah, Very cool. Um, if you were to this is like kind of a thing that we always do. You have to pick three exercises that you can exclusively use for the rest of your career. You can pole vault as much as you want. Mm-hmm. But you only get three other exercises that you have to use exclusively for the rest of your career. What would they be? So are these exercises to help me pole vault a little higher? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if you could only pole vault and then like, for some strange reason, you were only allowed to legally use three exercises to pull vault uh, for the rest of your career, what well, would you use to be the best you could be? Well, I'll probably lift for sure. Well, uh, that's, you gotta, you, it's gotta break it down. Oh, so one of them I'm assuming is probably gonna be hand clean. Yeah. Hand clean for sure. And then I'll do, uh, do I have to specify a sprint? Mm. yeah <laughs> okay i'll probably do uh well i like doing 30 meters and i like doing 120 so i'll probably choose something in the middle uh probably do 80s okay and that's just uh, a full out just from a stop or yeah from a stop okay. i'll do 80s and then i will do i'll do just boobkas like freaking Boopkas 24-7, man. And you're doing static boopkas, like where you're mm-hmm. just going up and down, yep. up and down. Okay. Yeah. How many, I mean, how many of those I'll can pro- you do? Eh, I don't know. Uh, probably could do 10 to 15 in a row. Like just row. going boom, 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 boom. Do you, ever can... wait, do you ever wait those? I have I never done that, actually. I probably Dude, should. There's a product that we bought. It's called Monkey Feet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written. It's really cool. So I've been using it with my brother, Luke. Uh, it's like basically like a way to strap a dumbbell to the bottom of your feet. And uh, we've been putting them on him whenever he does his boopkas. And it's so sick because the weight is like on your heel. So it, it kind of pulls your feet away from the bar. And so you really have to keep those feet and those legs really tight to the bar and, you know, drive it up. It's a, uh, it's a really, really cool way to overload those. Um, Did you guys try to do like the ankle weights and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. So we've done ankle weights and things like that. Um, you know, to be, I really like overloaded boobkas. 
Mm. Like we used, whenever I was jumping, I, one time I had a 40 pound weight vest on, I had thigh weights. Like it's like weights that go around your thigh, like 10 pounds on each one, 10 pound ankle weights on each one. And then a 40 pound dumbbell pinched between my feet. Like, hmm. and I was doing, I was doing bukas like that, man. I was going nuts. Um, but these monkey feet, it's like a little bit easier and like, you can overload it a lot more. Like you could put like 80 pounds on your feet. And How many bukas can you do in a row? Now, now. Well, back in the day. Back in the day, uh, probably 25, I would say. Well, I need to go. I need to go. I need to go do max out tomorrow and I'll let you know how how I do. (laughs) Well, it was the weakest. It was the weakest part. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't do a boobka until I was a sophomore in college, which I mean, I'm like six, four. So like, it was like, it's like really hard for me. It's like a long guy to do them. Um, but then I, once I got them, I was like, I'm just going to start overloading the heck out of these things and just get extremely strong at them. Um, but yeah, so those monkey feet, uh, that was a cool, those are cool. Um, anyway, yeah. So, and then you've got one more, so you got 80, oh no, no, we said bupkas, eighties and hang clean. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I agree with all of it. I think that's just about perfect. Um, and then what's going on for the rest of the season? So we have, um, Obviously, the world championship is um, the target. Like, I'm trying to hit a uh, 580 as soon as I can. Or if I if I don't hit it um, soon enough, I'll probably go to Europe to collect some points mm-hmm. so I could qualify because there's a different way to qualify to Worlds What's when you're – So, right now, I mean, it's a little different than um, – the U.S. team. I mean, the U.S. team. You have to go to trials, and you have to be top two to qualify. And obviously, you guys have a lot of people that jump over five eighty. But back at home, I'm like the number one athlete that um, they have. So they take top thirty two uh, in the world uh, at the World Championship, and they take the the top thirty two are not based on your height, it's based on points. Now they change, they just changed the system about, uh, three years ago. So if you haven't hit the 580 and then 32 haven't hit it yet, like if, if, if there aren't 32 people that hit 580, they just take, you know, the best, um, athletes, mm-hmm. you know, up to 32. So, you know, that's how, uh, how you can qualify. Yeah. And my brother was trying to explain it to me the other day. And there's like, you can point, you get more points for meets in Europe though. Yeah. So they, they, so that's what I struggled with last year the most. I mean, I was, I jumped 570. I jumped over 560, probably about four or five times, uh, and there were some people in Europe that just competed in better meets, whatever, even though they're not better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they would jump like 550 or 555 and someone literally qualified to the Olympics. And I All didn't qualify. They had yeah, so the, ranked meets. Yeah. So the NCAA 
most of their like most of them or all of the meats pretty much have an F ranking, which is crazy. It's literally an F rank. And then you have a meat, like for example, the Saudi national meat, where I could go and jump like 450 and win the meat. That's an A rank. Yeah. That's how, like, yeah, it's, it works like that. Like, you go to Europe and you go to all these meets and they're just better ranked than the... What about, like, what about our, like, national championship? Like, the I think, it, I think it's, a, it's an A rank. I so think any all, national championship is probably yeah. an A rank. Mm-hmm. Any, it's just the NCAA meets are just discriminated against, I guess. Like, they're That's just crazy. Yeah, I just I just think they don't want a lot of um, a lot of people in the NCAA to qualify for some reason. I don't understand why. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, very strange. All right, so world championships would be your goal if you, if you're yeah. able to get that 580, then you might head over to Europe and try to get some some points for in some meet. Yeah, we have we have worlds, and then we have uh, a meet after that uh, in August. It's called the Islamic Games. Basically, all the Muslim countries uh, compete in uh, in one meet, and then we have the Asian Games, which is actually more like I would say it's more important for my country than the World Championship. Actually, really? that's in that's in September. Yeah. Why would you say that? It's a smaller version of the Olympic Games. I mean, tra- like the World Championship is you know it's just for track, but the games are, you know, all these um, sports are, you know, in, in this. Oh, so place. it's not just track and field. It's oh, like yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a mini Olympic Games. Whoa. I yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they. Uh, it's in China. So, after each of these games all the federation go and like you know they just brag about you know who got the medals and stuff so i get it i understand why it's right. it's uh, it's That's crazy yeah it, it is wild. yeah all right well dude i really appreciate it i'm just happy that we were able to have you on happy we were able to make it happen um wish you all the best uh this year let's get over the 580 bar and just get that out of the way yeah um and then is there any place that people can follow you that you'd like people to follow you at yeah you could follow me in uh my instagram account it's uh hussein underscore pv and yeah that's it Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much. And uh, this is the One More Jump podcast signing off.